The topics and opinions expressed in the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4CY Radio, its employees, or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability, explicit or implied, shall be extended to W4CY Radio, its employees, or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4CY Radio. Welcome back, everyone, to the Geek Skeezers and Googleization Show, where we talk with HR and business thought leaders about all the crazy shift going on in the world of HR, recruitment, and business. I'm your host, Ira Wolf, and I'm joined again by my co-host, Keith Compagna, who's on the road. So this is a, a first, uh, no, this is the second time I think he's calling from the road. Uh, and we want to thank our sponsors, Jobvite and Success Performance Solutions. I'm super excited to have the one and only Tim Sackett join us today. Tim is the author of The Talent Fix. Uh, he's one of the most popular HR bloggers. He's one of Sherm's top-rated speakers. He's the, and he's the author of an email that I get every morning. It's one of the first things that pops up on my feed. What's Tim Sackett talking about today? So we all will be talking about what Tim Sackett is talking about today. Uh, and it'll be recorded for posterity. Uh, we're, we'll hear more about them in just a second. Uh, we are recording live, so I want to uh, remind everybody you can uh, chat with us uh, or you can call us at 561-623-9429. That's six, uh, uh, sorry, 561-623-9429. Uh, to chat, you can go to geekskeezersgoogleization.com. I uh, click on the live button right at the top of the screen. Then listen. Uh, then when you get to W4CY, you're going to click again and chat. Or the easy way is to download the W4CY app. Uh, so either way, you can listen to us. You can chat with us, uh, or you can call us five six one six two three nine four two nine. It's time to recap some of the crazy shift that goes on in our lives. Uh, we'll I'll bring on Keith just a minute. Um, I was on a call yesterday with a new client, new restaurant client, uh, and he said, uh, hey, I'm in a hurry to get um, some new testing done, but he couldn't get back to me today because it was his busiest day, Taco Tuesday. Well, for me, this is, whack- <laughs> this, this is wacky Wednesday. Um, we're doing the, our weekly podcast, obviously. You're listening to it. Uh, just an hour ago, actually less than an hour ago, I got off the, the, the line. I was presenting first of two webinars I'm doing today. Uh, for Bright Talks HR Technology Summit. Uh, just finished the first one, was titled Keeping the a- Human in HR. That's uh, what the one I presented out at Sherm Annual a few weeks ago at uh, in Las Vegas. Uh, and then as uh, soon as we hang up, I got to jump on and we're doing a second one, um, Recruiting in the Age of Googleization. So sort of a crazy day, plus, uh, you know, as, as it always happens, lots of calls and good things. Uh, clients that say, hey, we decided to go move forward with it. How soon can we get started? And some of these have been in the works for a couple of weeks. So that's the good news, but it is definitely wacky Wednesday. Uh, and anyone who uh, can't make today's webinars, I posted things all over LinkedIn uh, and so forth. Uh, you can just go up to the Bright Talk. That's uh, B-R-I-G-H-T. T-A-L-K.com. Uh, look on their summits, and it's the HR Technology Summit. Uh, tomorrow, I'm on doing a panel in the morning on corporate culture uh, for a competitive advantage. And in the afternoon, I'm talking about uh, people analytics, uh, doing both with a colleague of mine, Jennifer Leake. 
and then um, this will lead into our discussion a little bit uh, with with uh, Keith, with um, uh, Kevin Keith, uh, uh, Keith yeah, um, <laughs> and Tom, yeah. <laughs> Forget who we're talking to uh, with Tim. Uh, I received a couple of emails that said, uh, you know, what's Tim Sackett talking about? Um, uh, there were two articles that came in about the same time. One was uh, was I was quoted twice in uh, 15 must read books. HR and benefits professionals can't put down. Uh, this was put out by the employee benefits news. Um, I was both uh, selected by someone. Uh, somebody submitted uh, Recruiting in the Age of Googleization. And then I had recommended uh, Ben Eubank's book, uh, you know, Human Artificial Intelligence for HR. And uh, that uh, Ben's going to be a guest at the end of this month. So that was exciting. And then uh, after that, I was quoted as one of five experts who weigh in on how HR can prepare for the next recession. Uh, and so that was uh, that was yeah. good news. That was big too. So Keith, where you're in New York somewhere? What's going on? Yeah, you're making me feel like I'm half-assing it out here, taking a couple of days off with my family in Lake George, New York. Well, Holy cow, buddy! That, hey, that's part of life work integration, right? <laughs> that's right. That's right. I'm pumped to talk about Tim with that too, by the way. But really, it's kind of one of those things where I hope I've done all the work up front, so I could actually unplug for a couple of days. The HROI platform is about to go live. We're starting to talk with vendors, bringing them on. And then ultimately on Friday, LifeWork Integration was officially kicked off in the public presentation. Helped a lot of the, I hope I helped a lot of the uh, Lehigh Valley professionals members that are in transition or looking for ways to sharpen the saw as they look for that next chapter in their career. So uh, keep, certainly keeping busy, but not as busy as my favorite millennial trap and a baby boomer. Congratulations, dude. Yeah, it's pushing the baby body to its limits. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. Good thing you're using technology the way yeah. you do. Yeah, and then yeah, and and actually yesterday we started recording. Uh, finally, finally got the first uh, module done for the recruitment marketing online course, uh, which hopefully I'll follow yes, out before the fall conference season starts. Um, but I, uh, we uh, launched into that and recorded about an hour's worth of sessions, which will probably be the first module. So excited about that. Um, but we've got yeah, a I ton. Think, I think Go ahead. I was going to say, I think there's something to say, say about being the authority in, your, uh, in the chosen field that you, you, you're in. And, you know, thinking about having Tim on the show today is really, uh, I think we've got, we're, we're, we're lucky enough to start getting a lot of serious thought leaders here. This guy seems to have it down uh he's a true trailblazer and uh, uh tell me how exactly were you able to get tim on the show this usually come with a good story or two well that's a secret well one is just being a fan of tim's uh, we've been reading his stuff for a long time and then uh we've run across each other uh well just in the last couple of months we both presented it uh at uh, uh sherm talent and then at sherm annual um so we had a chance to uh talk you know, catch up face to face, and uh, that's how it happens. You know, so there is a there is a place for face to face in this digital world. Yeah, that's right. 
Yeah. So without further ado, because I've got we've got a ton of stuff and and Tim, uh, well, Tim and I talk about some more things. Obviously, the talent fix is about the broken recruitment system. uh, And that's what recruiting in the age of Googleization. We take slightly different approaches. Uh, Tim grew up in kind of the recruiting world. And and so he's got a lot of experience in sourcing and will and and, uh, again, talking about technology. And he's he's more of the hands on. Uh, You know, I talk about it, how, you know, how HR and all and which includes recruitment uh, fits into a world of, of continuous change that age of Googleization. So we we both and we have very very similar philosophies. If you heard his presentations or heard heard mine, you know we, we talk about the broken candidate experience and utilizing technology. So um, I'm I, I learned from Tim and hopefully he learns a few things from me. But we we you know it's a, it's a big world and uh, as I said in my presentation this morning. Um, everybody's got to join in on the conversation because no one has the right answer. Uh, and, and if you think you do, by the time you put it out there, it changes. So, Tim, uh, <laughs> you've been hanging on in the background here. Uh, yeah. Really appreciate you uh, coming on board to Geek Skeezers and Googleization. Hey, thanks for having me. Welcome. I, I'm excited to be here. So there's, there's a whole bunch of things. You sent me some questions. Uh, let's start out first with, uh, you know, I mentioned your book, The Talent Fix. Yeah. Uh, I think it was, uh, it's out, I think yours came out just about the same, last year, about the same time mine did. Uh, mm-hmm. what, tell us, you know, tell everybody what it's about. Yeah, so, um, I, you know, I wrote The Talent Fix. I actually started blogging like 10 years ago, right? So I started writing with Chris Dunn at Fistful of Talent. And then, like, did that for about two years, and I still write at Fistful of Talent. It's a great site. But um, and then also started writing on my own blog. And Chris kind of challenged me to say, "Hey, can you write like every day?" Because that's what he has done for like a decade now. And I'm like, I'm gonna give it a shot. I'll do it for one year, um, and we'll see what goes, how it goes. And that was eight years ago. And so I've been writing every single day. And and what happened was, is as the audience for the blog grew. I started to, you know, at first you're like, you know, someone actually responds and asks a question. And you're like, oh, my gosh, this is great. Like, I can't believe someone actually read my stuff. And then it gets to the point where it's multiple times a day, people going, Our, my recruiting's broken and, I, you know, I need some help. Do you, could you, can I talk to you? Could we set up a call? Could we, can I send you some questions? And, like, it just became, like, literally crazy just from a capacity standpoint. And I, you know, I mean, I'm like that Midwestern, like, I can't say no when someone asks for help, and, like, I want to help everybody, and I, I finally, um, you know, decided I'm just going to write a book, and, you know, and then go out and say, hey, here it is, like, here's everything I would do if I came into your shop, and decided to run talent acquisition, right, um, literally from, I mean, interview all the way till the end. Like, here's, you know, here's here's what it is. Now, again, there's a bunch of that stuff. Like, you know, I, you had said, like, I could, the, the moment that it's written, there, someone else is probably going to have a different idea or a better idea or something else that's going to come up or things evolve so fast in our space around the technology. I had to be careful about, you know, kind of writing about some of that stuff because I didn't want to date it um, the moment mm-hmm. that it got out. So a lot of it is this core kind of, kind of functionality around TA and really how do I just give somebody that, you know, steps into the role or steps into a broken role and like, how do we just turn this thing around and fix it? So, so Tim, in, in your book, you give a great story, um, uh, kind of an analogy about the dog, 
you know, the, the, the kid who lost his dog of explaining yeah. why it's broken. And, and when you sent me your, your list of, you know, things we can talk about and you said, you know, every every day and, and we, you, you and I both hear this and, and, and Keith as well. Um, that's the CEOs, uh, you know, we're always saying, Hey, we just can't find enough people. And, you know, yeah. some, some really get it and that it's affecting their strategy and their growth. And, you know, that's why there's a lot of mergers and acquisitions. People are, are not buying, you know, the assets that people are buying are, are truly, uh, the human assets. Uh, at least some of them are assets <laughs> within there. Uh, but, you know, the next thing you said was that the, the recruiting is broken. And mm-hmm. so often, um, you, you hear, uh, people that, and a lot of the tips that are offered on other blogs, are really band-aids. I mean, they're band-aids on a broken system. It, it's sort of giving aspirin for cancer. Um, and, and, you know, so when we talk, you, you just gave a great analogy to explain why it's broken. Can can you share that with us? With, with about the dog, about the laws of dog? Yeah, yeah. So, I and I, and I uh, talk about this when I speak often as well, is that I call it the lost dog strategy of recruiting. And mo- about 90% of, of corporate HR, corporate talent acquisition, this is how they recruit. And then they wonder why, why they can't find the talent they need to fill the jobs they have. And, and so I always tell them, I go in there, and, you know, and, and part of it is, like, how do we get the attention of that audience and understand? Like, so my thing is I go in there and I go, look, I have a 10-year-old niece who can recruit better than any single person in this audience. And here's why. I said, because she's going to recruit, like, if, she, if her dog ran away, right? So if you think about how if you had a 10-year-old, a 6-year-old, whatever, your animal runs away, what are they going to do? The first thing they're going to do is go out and create that poster, right, the poster that has the picture of the dog and the crayons and the markers and the stickers and, you know, rip off a piece of paper and call us if you find this dog. And they're going to put it on every telephone pole. They're going to go down and put it in the grocery store, in the bank. It's going to be everywhere, right? And then, and they're going to go out there and actually try to put it in front of people so that if someone finds a dog, they know how to get in touch with them. What we do in corporate talent acquisition is we develop these great career sites, and we post our jobs, and then we just magically think that people are going to find it, which is synonymous with if my niece actually went out and lost her dog and put that lost dog poster on the front door of her house and waited for someone to find the dog and walk by my house and see that poster and go, oh, that's the house where somebody lost a dog. It's exactly the same thing. And yet she knows as a six, seven, eight, nine, ten year old, that's not how you find a lost dog. That's not how you find talent that you actually have to get out there into the marketplace and let people know that you actually have the openings and you know and go out there and do that. We and we have this really, really screwed up mentality in our heads that we think that talent in our marketplaces are coming to our career sites every single day waiting for us to put up that job that they want to get hired into. The reality is, is very, very few, I mean, a tiny fraction of 1% of that marketplace is coming to your career site on a daily, monthly basis. And unless you're out there marketing, you're never going to get the talent that you want. And yet we continue to do the same thing. I can't tell you how many times I'll go meet with a company and and a head of HR have talent, and they'll just go, well, we we just need a new career site. And I'm like, that's literally like saying you need a billboard in the front lawn of your business, which actually might not be a bad thing. At least you're out there telling the traffic that drives by that you have openings. Right, right. <laughs> Better than like the internet, which is you know billions of people. You know, yeah, so. but, but but carrying that analogy, some of the some of these companies are on back rural roads. 
Oh, for <laughs> so, sure. Yeah. yeah the locations are yeah. there, so they can have one a car a day smoke. is driving yeah. by. You know, yeah. and it's the car. It's the same car every single day. <laughs> <laughs> every yeah. day. Yeah, that's fun. Every day. Now, Tim, how long have you been preaching that message? Oh, gosh, a decade, right? I mean, when I first started writing, I bet I can go back and find, I bet it's in the one of the first 25 blog posts I ever wrote. Like that, I actually came up with that concept of the lost dog strategy of recruiting, and then I've used it in presentations for a decade, and it still hits home every single time because people continue to do the same thing. You know, you remind me of the job bite. The job bite message has always been to be proactively recruiting versus reactive. And, you know, it, it puts a smile on my face to hear that after a decade of literally the same applicable metaphor, it still applies. Maybe yeah. eight out of seven, eight out of ten times, you think? Yeah. I mean, I, I do think that the community is getting better. Part of that, I think, is, you know, again, some of the technology out there is helping. So when you, when you take a look at you know, what Jogbyte did with Ascendify and Rollpoint and all this, and all of a sudden you go, oh, wow, like now they're actually showing talent acquisition leaders, HR leaders, this is actually how you should be recruiting. <laughs> now we can actually do it for you, but we can set up the processes and we can have the tech behind it. You still have to go out there and do it. But um, I think, but, it, but it's just getting fractionally better, right? Because I still think there's so many people out there that are still lost. And then I also see executives that will... We see this happen quite a bit in corporate talent acquisition where you, you have um, the landscape is littered with one-year, year-and-a-half TA leaders that they get in, they come in, they have all these great ideas, we're going to change it, we're going to fix it, and then in a year-and-a-half to a year, the executives find out that this person knew nothing as well. They just basically could talk better than the last person that was there. And I see this constantly happening where I go into an organization that says we're broken and then you go and take a look, and there's literally like a death list of four or five, six people that they've had in the last six or seven years of leaders that they've just churned out, you know, because they couldn't figure it out. So, so other than kind of changing leadership or stabilizing leadership, um, what are some of the first things that you do when you go into that organization? Well, you know, in, in the book, I actually kind of point this out, and people that are already in position struggle with this because it's really something you, I would I do in the interview process when I was when I was interviewing for corporate talent acquisitions, which I would say, I would ask the question to whoever was interviewing me, which I'm assuming is going to be my boss or a bosses of that boss or somebody up in the up in the, up in the ranks, who owns talent. Who owns talent in the organization? And there's two answers that come up. One is they get all excited, right, and they just can't wait. They can't even almost, before the question even gets done, they're waiting for me to ask it. They want to answer it, which is they're like, you, Tim, you own talent, because they think that's what I want to hear. Or they'll go, well, we all own talent here at ABC Company, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, for one is if we all own talent, nobody owns talent. That means no one's taking responsibility. If I'm the one taking responsibility, that's the best job in the history of the world. I can't wait to make the final decision on every single hire in this company. And they go, oh, no, wait, wait, no. You, no, that's, the hiring managers do that. And then they go, and then they, the, the light bulb instantly clicks, and they go, oh, crap, you got us. So we're the ones that actually own talent, but we haven't owned it yet, and you're coming in and pointing that out, and we haven't even hired you and that's the main problem. The main problem is if I had a talent acquisition team, an HR team, whatever, and I took them on a retreat for the day and our train hit our bus and we all died, the company's not, not going to hire 
going forward, right? They're not going to wait until they rehire the entire HR team until they start hiring. Those hiring managers are going to go out there and they're going to figure out a way to hire. So they don't actually need us to hire. Now, we can make that job much faster, higher quality, blah, blah, blah. And again, that's kind of why, you know, we function out some of these things. But we ultimately, I have to have the hiring manager go, Tim, I want to help from your team. Please tell me how you guys can help me. At the, at the end of the day, though, I'm responsible for filling this position, and I'm going to make it happen no matter what. And when I have hiring managers that have that personality, have that mindset, our, the job of recruiting in those companies is already – that's fixed. They're, they'll have no issue with recruiting. But it takes, it takes the organization, and it takes a top-down kind of leader to say, a CEO, a CEO, to go, hey, everyone who's hiring, everyone who has to manage a team, you guys are responsible for filling those jobs. Don't look at Tim and the recruiters. It's your job. If I come into a boardroom and you try to give me an excuse that you didn't fill the job and you point at somebody else, I'm going to punch you in the face and fire you, right? <laughs> and when that happens, the organization is transformed. Now, again, that's a difficult thing to happen when everybody, you know, the organization's in a death pile or every, you, know, you have hundreds or thousands of positions and stuff like that. So, so I think that's foundational. I do think the other piece of it is is that we have a really, really bad issue within corporate America of not, of not holding people accountable, and it starts in recruiting and talent acquisition and HR. Because we, we say we're the people that are going to go show our managers how to manage, and yet we don't even know how to manage our own teams. And what I find is when I go into most corporate talent acquisition shops, is they're not actually recruiting, they're actually just administering a recruiting process. And that becomes the issue. So, I, so then it's about how do we put in actual measures and metrics and analytics that are going to measure individually how well a recruiter is doing so I know who's doing the job, who's not doing the job, and then I can bring people into those roles who are actually going to you know, fill positions. And then that, and magically what will happen is about half your team will get quit or fired, and then the rest will stay around that are actually doing work. You'll find more people to do work, and little by little – you know, you solve your problem. And that's, it doesn't matter what tech stack you have. I mean, I constantly hear from leaders that go, oh, we need a new ATS. And they go out and they pick an ATS that's basically the same as the ATS they already have. <laughs> There's very yeah. little difference. <laughs> and they think that's going to fix really something. It's really wild. What was that, Keith? Go ahead, sorry. I was going to say, it's just really wild. You know, my experience, literally coming from the software side, is, is uh, you and I are meeting at the same crossroad here. You wonder what it takes to get the executives to act on the idea of organizational change, paradigm shifting, versus just, you know, putting in another software that essentially does the same thing, getting the same result. I wonder I if HR is fully insane or is it just really <laughs> crazy? You know, it is the, the, um, the role of the consultant, I think. I get hired a lot to come in and fix recruitment, and ultimately – what ends up happening is I'm getting hired to come in and have a conversation with executives and tell them where they failed and, and, then, ex and then explain to them the next steps of, of here's what you have to say. And it has nothing to do with HR and talent acquisition. It has everything to do with them setting the right path forward so that HR and talent acquisition can actually be successful in that role. Because um, it just, again, if I'm not responsible for making the decision to hire, 
how, how am I being held responsible for filling all these positions? When I have hiring managers who are sitting on resumes for two, three, four weeks, when they, when they tell me that they, this is urgent and then they give me a time to interview that's four to six weeks down the road, or they cancel the interview after I actually had somebody that was in, in a position that's a great hire that had to take a day off of work, and then an hour before the interview, you cancel it out because something else became a bigger priority. Like, I mean, stuff like that happens, and that's why we fail, right? Because that's because that leader is not actually taking responsibility for it. So, so Tim, so I can't remember where where I, I read if, – if I heard this in uh, one of your presentations or read it in a blog, you know, or uh, it was in the book. Um, you, you talk about the funnel. The talent funnel, yeah. and and I just want to give you a heads up here. We got we'll we'll end up taking a break in just a few minutes, so we may continue sure. this conversation afterwards. Uh, but going through the funnel, obviously, we, we talked a little bit about visibility. You know, where do you put that billboard? Where you know, where should your job listings be? You know, how do you promote employee referrals? However, you get names of people uh, that can go into the funnel. Uh, but then the the next part of it is. Uh, is, uh, you know, measuring it. I mean, people don't know. Yeah. So, you know, one of the things that I ask all the time uh, at the top of the funnel is we, we talk about how many how many people do you need to interview to get one good hire? Uh, how many pe- how many applications do you need to have to have good get good interviews? And people know how many applications they get. I mean, it's either too many, you know, or they're too unqualified or, or they have a number there. But they have no idea how many people start an application and abandon it which goes back yep. to the candidate experience. And even before that, they have no idea how many people have to drive by that billboard to see it. Now, yeah. we're, we're talking basic, basic principles of, of marketing. I mean, it doesn't have to be digital marketing. Is you know, What's the potential audience that they have? Um, but you brought up a really, really good point, which is where I was leading. Um, it's not only those numbers that people start tracking of how many people, you know, viewed your ad, how many people started your application, how many people applied, how many interviews we did. But it's then how quickly do you move through that funnel? You know, how how quickly can you move there? And then beyond that is what's the quality of the people you're moving through the funnel? And Mm -hmm. that that's, you know, I mean, is, is, am I, I, did I read you right? I mean, am I, am I (laughs) speaking the right path? I mean, is that the problem? Yeah, I mean, measuring the candidate journey and the speed of that, for one, I think it's critical to a great, not only to a great candidate experience, but also just being successful at recruiting. Um, I think part of the reason um, we have so many TA leaders or HR leaders that fail to recognize the importance of the funnel is that we haven't really told them or showed them exactly why it's important. They think it's just micromanagement, right? They're like, oh, you're just managing every little thing that you know my team does or your recruiters do. And people just don't like to be micromanaged, so I'm not going to do it. And I go, no, no, here's the issue. is when that executive comes to you in January and says, hey, for 2020, you know, we're actually going to have to – we're going to actually expand. We're going to open a new division. We have 25 more locations we have to open. So your team is going to have to hire 1,000 people. You can't just go, okay, we'll do it. We'll work harder because you're going to fail. Well, you have to go back to them and show them and say, hey, based on the positions you wanted and markets and the locations and the pay rates and blah, 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 based on our funnel metrics and the capacity of our team, here's exactly what we can deliver, and here's where we're going to fall short, but here's then how we're going to fill that capacity, right? I'm going to bring in contract recruiters. We're going to hire other people. We're going to shop some of this out third party. And now you have a really logical business case to give to your executives that go, oh, wow, Tim and his team, they, have it. they, they know exactly what's happening. But what, what I find is most TA leaders will go, we're just going to work harder and we'll do it. And we'll have to work nights and weekends. We don't care. And you want to go, you can work 24-7, 365, and you're never going to fill that capacity based on your metrics, but you didn't even pay attention to them enough to know that. 
Yeah, exactly. You are listening to the Geek Skeezers and Googleization Show. We're with our guest, Tim Sackett. Uh, he's the author of The Talent Fix, and his company is HRU Technology, Technical Resources. Uh, we, haven't, uh, we haven't even talked about that yet um, directly. Uh, we're talking about the broken recruitment process system, or not process system, we wish there was a system, <laughs> the, 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 the broken recruitment process, uh, candidate experience, uh, talent acquisition, the future of talent acquisition. Uh, we're going to take a short break. We're going to hear from our sponsors, Jobvite and Success Performance Solutions. Stay right where you are. We will be right back in two minutes. Behind everything you're searching for is something you're actually looking for. When you search with the real Yellow Pages, you get more than a contractor. You get a whole new curb appeal. It's not just getting directions to a dry cleaner with YP.com. It's rescuing an old favorite from the back of the closet. And it's more than finding a locksmith with YP.com on your mobile. It's getting to sleep in your own bed. Whatever it might be, there are more ways to search and more ways to find exactly what you're looking for with the real Yellow Pages, YP.com, and YP.com on your mobile, only from AT&T. What's up, everyone? This is Keith from the Geek Skeezers and Googleization Show, powered by Jobvite. Jobvite knows career paths are made by people, not by open job requisitions. Jobvite's platform ties recruitment marketing directly to applicant tracking and onboarding, creating continuous candidate engagement that effectively connects recruiters with qualified passive candidates. Used by over 50,000 recruiters placing over 1 million jobs, Jobvite's platform impacts every company in every industry. Check us out at jobvite.com. Listen carefully. Up to 9 out of 10 job candidates visiting your company career page leave before completing an application. You heard that right. 90% of candidates who want to apply for a job at your company don't. That's just plain crazy, especially in today's tight labor market. Candidate experience matters. Stop turning candidates away. Let Success Performance Solutions help. Call us at 800-803-4303 or register at SuccessPerformanceSolutions.com slash W4CY. Schedule a no-obligation consultation and get special access to insider tips to recruit faster and hire smarter. Hey, welcome back, everyone, to the Geek Skeezers and Googleization Show. I'm your host, Ibra Wolf. I'm here again with uh, Keith Compagna, my co-host, uh, who's actually not here, but on the road. And uh, we were with our guest, Tim Sackett, uh, the author of The Talent Fix and uh, the blogs. Uh, he blogs for Fistful of Talent. Uh, he puts out his daily news newsletter, or, or I guess it's an email. I'm not sure it's a newsletter, but, uh, you know, what's Tim Sackett thinking about today? Um, hey, Tim, when we broke off, we were talking about uh, metrics uh, and, and uh, you know, the lack of them, uh, I guess. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, I, I talk, um, we also talked about companies kind of going after the next big shiny object. Uh, you know, we need a new ATS, we need a new career site. Um, hey, what do you think about a blog? You know, that, that's, I'm sure you get that a million times. What do you think about, you know, whatever other, you know, and fixing it. And, and it's just one more uh, Band-Aid or, or patch on the system. Uh, you know, I read, there, were, there was one of, the, one of the things that I, I found interesting recently. There was um, one of the vendors, um, you know, did a study. And, and part of this is all the, the, I think the influx of artificial intelligence or intelligent automation right now into talent acquisition, right? And we've been automating 
recruiting for three decades now. It's not like this is new stuff. There's just it, it's this text is just getting better at it, right? And Alio was the is the name of the company, which mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of their technology. Yeah, me too. Yeah, me too. And what they found was actually because I constantly, you know, we hear you know all the time is we don't have enough candidates, we don't have enough candidates. But what here's what happens, right? The reality is you put a position out there, 25 people apply. Um, the recruiter will instantly go through and within minutes eliminate about 90% of those people for, for, I mean, a litany of biases. And, and some of them are real. Some of them are like, oh, nope, this person has nothing to do with this position. They just applied and, you know, that, and they're, they're no good. They'll, they'll call about five, six, seven, right, or reach out or send emails or emails or whatever. A couple of them will reply. And then they'll go and send those candidates to the hiring manager. And the hiring manager will go, these are crap. This, this isn't any good. And what Alio found was that if you actually use technology to engage 100% of those candidates, all 25 get engaged with, that you'll actually find better candidates. So you only need about half the candidates you actually have. Um, and I think that's a huge miss that we don't – it's not talked about enough because we love to assume as recruiters in HR and talent acquisition that our managers have bias, but we have none. And yet so, we're all the same. We all have bias, you know. Well, Tim, you must have been listening to my webinar that I did just before the show. <laughs> it's, it's, it's keeping the human in HR, and part of it is is everybody says, "Yeah, you know, we need, the technology is coming too fast, and we need to go back to the old way. We should have spreadsheets, and we should be calling and talking to people." Uh, and the reality is, people have purchased, uh, have applied technologies for good reasons. They've automated the process, but instead of taking the freed up time. Uh, and becoming more productive, they've just allowed, yeah. you know, they've, they've just went back to tracking or doing other things and, and not bringing the human, you know, not keeping that human element. But you're right. I mean, the, the engagement, um, and I've been, I, I share a story too. There's a couple chatbots that I, I uh, on, uh, on my CRM, I was involved with somebody, and the, the answers, I was confused whether, I wasn't confused, I just didn't know. I didn't know if I was talking to a chatbot because of the way the answers were coming back because they were coming back so quickly or if it was actually a human. And yeah. at the end, I actually asked the person, uh, I, I said, hey, by the way, are you a chatbot or are you a real person? And it sort of got the smiley face and go, hey, no, I'm a real person. Thanks. They don't pay me enough to be a chatbot. Uh, <laughs> but even at the end of that, I didn't know because it can be that good. Oh, for um, sure. And again, yeah. my questions weren't out of the ordinary. I'm sure a million other people ask the, the same questions. But people don't understand that, that it's it's not necessarily that it's technology. It's that HR, and, and I, I throw HR generally out there, yeah, uh, because yeah. it's dealing with candidates and, and employees, has been so bad at responding to people. You know, it, the, the, the HR black hole didn't come, you know, <laughs> didn't come out of nowhere. Um, it, it's a real thing. So it's been so bad uh, at, at the communication part that the chatbot allows an immediate answer for a simple problem, a simple question. It could be, hey, how many vacation days do I have? Or uh, do you know when I might hear back from you? You know, or, or when are interviews scheduled? Or how do I find your, you know, or is there, how do I get directions? Or what building are you located in? There could be simple things that a chatbot can do and it gives an immediate response and that, it, that improves engagement. 
um, doesn't uh, it, it doesn't hurt it. Um, but uh, again, there's people that just don't like technology, so their biases go in, you know, go in there. But the other thing I wanted to bring up was I talk about the application, and you talk about the conscious bias, and and I'm a big fan of Alio, and I know there's a, no, a number of other chatbots that are doing yeah. a great job out there. It's really evolved over the last uh, year. Uh, the adva- has advanced so greatly. Um, but I say use the chatbot as a model. Even if you don't use a chatbot, use it as a model. What does a chatbot do? It asks four or five basic questions to see if the individual is qualified or not. And yeah. it could be, you know, are you more than 18 years old? You, can you work on a weekend? Do you, are you licensed in the state of uh, Missouri or Pennsylvania or New York, wherever it is? Just What are the four questions? And if they answer no to any of those questions, don't ask them for everything else. Because most of the applications are loaded with conscious bias and, yeah. and or unconscious bias. And what we're, we're talking about is the name. You know, the first thing you ask for is a name. Well, the name immediately can bias people, you know, mm-hmm. what the name is, where they live. <laughs> Um, and I, there's, there's a, an image I use in my presentation and you might've seen it. Um, I, I, initially, I used it just to represent, um, make sure your applications are mobile friendly, that they can be filled out because if you're, especially if you're going after a younger population, um, yeah, that's the only connection they have to the, to the a smartphone is the only connection they have to the internet and to the rest of the world. So it has to be mobile friendly. But then I started to look at the fields and there's 19 fields on there. Two, you shouldn't be asking at all. Date of birth and social security. <laughs> so that, they, they, there's no reason to ask those up front uh, to see if somebody's qualified. But then it asks for the name and address and city and the last employer and the supervisor's name and the address of the supervisor. and the, I mean, all that stuff may be interesting, but none of it. There wasn't a single question on the first page of the application that qualified or disqualified somebody for the job. It's yeah. bizarre. And, and then it goes by, and what I talk about, I go to the next step, because that's, that falls more in your world, is what do you do with the data? You're, so you're collecting all this data that you don't need in the first place, and then you don't protect it. And then we talk about being authentic and transparent and, and all those things. <laughs> it, 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 it's pretty crazy. Hey, uh, you, I, I saw, an, again, you, you were like all over my inbox this morning, in addition to you and I corresponding. Um, there, I saw you were quoted in an article on uh, about a new uh, software called Loxo. Is it Loxo or Luxo? Luxo Source, yeah. Uh, it happens to be, yeah, it happens to be the ATS um, that uh, that we use at our company. And, and just for you know, just uh, transparency purposes, I actually am an advisor now. I was a, a customer before I was an advisor, so I always tell people like that's a diff- to me that's different. Like it's not, I'm not talking about him because. Um, I'm an advisor. I'm actually became an advocate, a fan. Right? Yeah. I became a fan of the software first, you know, from that standpoint. So, so the reason I the reason that caught me attention, other than it came from you, um, and I'm always interested in that. What's the next greatest? You know, what's next? You know, it's a directory. It has a half a billion people, twelve million companies. The reason that that attracted my attention. Last week I was interviewed. It was a there was a vent, there was a capital a company that was exploring what's next in the talent acquisition space. You know, what's the next yeah. technology? And they called up and they said, can you talk to us about, like, you know, what's the next best thing that Indeed's going to do? I mean, what, who's the next, you know, who's the Uber uh, 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 or the Airbnb or the Netflix of, of talent acquisition space? Um, yeah. And, you know, do I know what Indeed's model is and, and ZipRecruiter's model? And I said, unfortunately, I don't. I, maybe you have a better idea what they're, where they're going. Yeah. But ultimately, it's, they have a huge database. They have a huge database. And yeah. then when I saw, and I said, that's what I would look at, is that the, the shift will become not that you post the job listing, but the smart companies will have a huge 
um, a database where artificial intelligence and machine learning can mine that if you are clear on what you're looking for, because obviously having half a billion people in a database, um, you know, if you're not clear on, on what your filters are, what your criteria is, it, it'd be crazy. Um, but if companies become better at that, it shifts the tide. It, that that job boards are no longer the the first place that people go, but they go to this database, something like a Locksaw source. Um, am I, is that, I mean, is that the shift you see happening? Um, yeah, I mean, I will tell you, like, when you take a look at, like, it's a, it's a hard question, right? Because it, it happens so fast. I always ask and hard I, questions. And I don't know, <laughs> I don't know if we know yet, you know, who that next kind of one that's going to be. I do think, um, like ZipRecruiter and Indeed are on different paths. I mean, Indeed started as an aggregator, and I think they're having a hard time understanding how to shift out of that. ZipRecruiter um, really has some smart people and some really great tech behind. And, and I get a lot of people that will go, oh, ZipRecruiter, that, that's garbage. We tried them three years ago, and they, were, they didn't do anything. And I'm like, yeah, if you haven't checked them out in the last 12 months, like you're missing out. Like they can, they continue just to keep their heads down and figure out the tech. And really, it was all about matching, right? So, like we talk about, you know, they have huge databases, and so does CareerBuilder, so does Monster, so does LinkedIn. And what what they did was they, I mean, Zip has just figured out a better way to match jobs and candidates, and and then continue to nurture those candidates and get them interested and continue to reach out. And when they turn it on, it's crazy how good it is um, and it, and it, for all kinds of positions, not just like hourly. And then it's also and, – and I'm not an advisor to them. <laughs> I'm just a fan. Um, and it's crazy how cheap it is comparable to all the other tools that we use out there. So, like, for me, I think that we see a couple of things happening. One is we we see the the cost of these tools coming down more and more so it's it's as they become commoditized and you know all these databases and all these things they're all pulling from the same stuff i mean they're all just yanking and scraping off of google so it's like we know where all this stuff is coming from so at a point like you shouldn't have to pay a lot of money for some of this stuff um and, and it's not necessarily that difficult to figure out i think as we get into some of the privacy stuff that's going to be a bigger issue mm-hmm. for the U.S. companies to kind of figure out versus like the European ones are already trying to figure it out. And sometimes I ask some of the European ones like sourcing techs, so, you know, if they're doing this and this, and they're just not even going down that path because they know it would be shut down immediately. You know? yeah. So, so in, somewhere embedded in the, in, in the question was that, that, you know, whether it's Indeed or, you know, it, it's Google or ZipRecruiter or LoxoSource, they have these huge databases and the democratization of data and, and social f- profiles and, and everything that's out there. We, we, you know, the information is there. It, yeah. are, they just ahead of, are they just ahead of companies? Because, again, if companies don't know exactly what they're looking for, then all there is is a bunch of data and they sort of get lost in there. So is it yeah. is HR technology just ahead of where – and you have a quote somewhere that, yeah. that, that I said is that HR technology is just so far ahead of talent acquisition people. No, yeah. I mean, right now, I mean, literally 99% of HR leaders and TA leaders don't really have any kind of understanding about the HR tech landscape and, and, and its capability. Mm-hmm. They understand that they might have an enterprise-level suite of HRES, and they get HRES, and they get some of the ba- payroll. They even get ATS. But the reality is, is they really have no understanding of the capabilities of what's out there. And you're right. Like, there's so much 
that I think it's overwhelming. And so they just keep going back to what they already know. And so they're like, oh, well, we're using this system, and it's not very good, but, you know, it's, it's, make, it's, it's getting the checks out, right? It's, we, yeah. we get our performance reviews done. Well, we're filling positions, <laughs> and, yeah. and that's just, the, they, that's just the, what they do. And I'm like, no, like that. Again, I don't need you to be early adopters, but also we can't be laggard when it comes to technology in our space. And the problem is, is right now, especially within the Fortune 500, is that HR and TA aren't choosing their tech. It's being chosen by IT and finance. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and so then you end up with Oracle, SAP, or Workday, which, again, are all fine systems. From a financial perspective and from an HR and payroll perspective, they're not good systems when it comes to talent acquisition and talent attraction. Yeah. In fact, they're, they're below average. Um, and so that becomes, I think, the bigger issue. If I, I would never accept a position within the Fortune 500 to run TA if I was told I had to use one of those systems alone. Now, if they said, hey, you can build out a tech stack around it, that's a completely different story. You know? so, Tim, so, Tim, we're, of, uh, missing the opportunity. Oh, yeah, we're going to come up here. I've got to ask Tim because we've got him on the show, and, and I'll be quick. Who is in charge of making the change? You talk about how... HR and talent acquisition, they're too busy to figure it out. We know that. And we talk about how it's hard to change the wheels when the car is going down the highway 80 miles an hour. So yeah. who inside of an organization can do it? Well, I, it's a little bit I, – I do think nowadays with SaaS platforms that you can actually – you don't have to change the tires on the car you're driving down you basically just have another car pull up alongside you and jump from one car to the next, right? <laughs> like, and then you just basically stop making payments on that car that you just jumped out of um, and start making payments on the new car you just jumped in. So right, it's a little right. bit of a different analogy. But, I, but again, that's the problem, Keith, is I think there's a lot of those big tech vendors will make people feel that way, that the pain of switching is too great, and so you're just going to continue to have kind of bad technology. Um, it is up to – here's what happens in organizations. The only, the only time they're going to get that change happening is when the pain is so great that somebody basically says enough's enough, and that might be a head of HR. It might be a finance person. It might be a hiring manager or a CEO or whatever, but the pain has to be so great that someone just goes, nope, it's going to happen, and, or I'm leaving or something, right? Like it gets that bad. That's the only way it really happens. Yep. yep. Yep, so, I agree. Thanks, Tim. So, Tim, as Keith said, we are fast approaching the end. we got about uh, four minutes left in the show. Um, sure. What's the kind of big takeaway? I mean, what's the one thing you, you can uh, kind of leave our listeners? And then, um, as importantly, uh, how do they get in touch with you? Uh, one of your many ways. That can probably take the full, whole five minutes. But, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, what are the ways that people can keep in touch with you and continue to learn from you? I'm, I'm really super easy to get a hold of. You can just Google Tim Sackett, and I'm like the first 100 pages. Um, <laughs> my SEO is pretty strong. There's another, there's another Tim Sackett uh, in Minnesota. He's a truck driver chaplain. I'm not that guy. It would be great if we were. He's probably upset that I stole all his thunder on, on the Google machine, but uh, I'm, I'm pretty easy. And timsackett.com, you can kind of connect with me there. I will say the big takeaway, um, I have 10 years' worth of data that shows that the recruiters that have the most activity are always the best recruiters. And we, we always sit to sit there and say that, you know, oh, I'm – I, I only, I'm just about quality, and I'm not about quantity. And you know, it doesn't matter if it's corporate talent acquisition, doesn't matter if it's staffing world, doesn't matter RPO. 
you, the job of a recruiter is to go out and contact candidates and find out if they're interested in the job we have and then if we're interested in them as a candidate. And the ones that contact the most people tend to be your best recruiters every single time. Even, I mean, so again, and there's a difference between high volume and you know, low volume in terms of positions and how, how hard they are. But I mean, talking apples to apples comparison, if I have two high volume recruiters, the one that makes the most activity will almost always be the better recruiter. If I have low volume positions, the one that has the most activity will almost always be the best recruiter. Or at least if they're not the best recruiter, I can then analyze their data to figure out where can I help them within the funnel. So they're finding more candidates, but they're not getting interviews. Okay, your quality is an issue. Hey, you're getting a ton of interviews, but they're not accepting job offers. Okay, you're not pre-closing enough, blah, blah, blah. As a leader, we have to be able to do those kinds of things. I'm not using data as a hammer. I'm using data for development. And yeah. that, to me, that's the big takeaway. Yeah, make, make you smarter, better decisions. Uh, we don't even, there's a billion other questions I had, and, and one of them was talking about the skills people need. What is one skill that you, that you would tell someone who says, hey, what, what can I do to improve? Yeah, I always, I call it the jealous girlfriend, which is um, they have an innate ability to ask the question that is right there in front of their face, but maybe they're too embarrassed to ask, you know, and like, the, like I, I, I remember in this, you know, I've been married 27 years and I have a great marriage. I have beautiful kids. Like I love my life, but I was in Vegas, um, you know, not this year, but last year at a conference and my wife just sends me a text and she goes, why are you at the club? And I was in my hotel room on the 20th floor. The club happened to be below me 20 floors. But on, you know, on the, on the Apple yeah. Maps or whatever, it shows I'm in the club, right? Um, <laughs> and I just happened to laugh. My wife innately has the jealous girlfriend trait. And I think as recruiters, we have to have that where you go. So here's a, here's a, here's a great analogy from a resume. And you leave a job in April and you start a new job in May, most recruiters would go, oh, no gap in employment. The jealous girlfriend would go, you left April 1st, you didn't start until May 30th, why were you out of work for 60 days? And they're asking that question. That's their mindset. Yeah. yeah. That's so perfect enough. So we're, we're going to be talking a lot about curiosity in the coming weeks. Uh, one of our guests is going to be Diane Hamilton, and she's got a book called The Curiosity Code. And uh, yeah. uh, so we're, we'll actually be talking a lot about that. So that's great. Uh, Tim, the, I can't thank you enough. Uh, I, it was a fabulous show. I loved it. Hopefully our listeners yeah, do thank too. You. Uh, yeah. It, and uh, we, we definitely need to get you back. We'll have more conversations. I uh, want to thank everybody again uh, for listening to Geek Skeezers and Googleization. Uh, thanks again to Tim Sackett for being part of the show. Uh, you can go to timsackett.com uh, or just Google, as Tim said, Google Tim Sackett, uh, and he'll show up a million times. Uh, we're always interested in hearing what's on your mind. Let us know how you're doing. If you're interested in being a guest or a sponsor of the show, uh, please just contact Keith or myself. You can do it on LinkedIn, Twitter, or go to the new geekskeezersgoogleization.com website. Uh, you can also listen to the show uh, anytime on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, uh, Stitcher. Uh, if you just go up to the web Google Play, we're on now. So if you just go up to the website, uh, Geek Skeezers Googleization, uh, you can su subscribe. And we got a ton of good speakers in the past, and we've got even more coming up uh, in the next few months. So until the next episode of Geek Skeezers and Googleization, this is Ira Wolf and Keith Campagna. Don't let the shift hit your plans. Hey.